This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Joining us for the first time, she is a psychiatrist, and uh, she has a podcast called The C-Suite Confidant. Let me welcome Dr. Nicole Washington. Welcome to The Karen Hunter Show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming through. Before we get into why I invited you here today, I just want to know a little bit about you. Where are you from? You got a southern twang. Sounds like you come from from a nice warm place. Well, I am originally from Louisiana, uh, graduated from Southern University. Shout out to, to all those Jaguars out there listening. And I have been in Oklahoma in the Tulsa area for the past 20 years. So I've been mm. here in Tulsa. Why did you go to Tulsa is a is a hot spot right now. There's a lot of conversation around Tulsa. We've been talking a lot about reparations. We've been talking about Tulsa and Black Wall Street since I started on on Sirius XM. And I've been talking about it before then. Uh, But moving to Tulsa as a person not from Tulsa, did you come in with the understanding of what you were moving into? You know, someone bought me a book when I graduated from Southern. I came here from medical school and someone for graduation. I can't even remember who it was purchased me a book about the race riots and and reading that was my first introduction to to Tulsa I I don't even know if I could have honestly found Oklahoma on a map before I came here to interview uh, because I just had no no real knowledge of of the area Um, but reading that book gave me a bit of a framework to work from you know once I got here do you feel the trauma? Because, you know, I was, I was talking with uh, attorney uh, Demario Solomon Simmons, who is from there and didn't know the history because they didn't teach it in the schools, which is crazy. And got to college and was arguing with a professor about, you know, that didn't happen. That rich black people in, in Tulsa win, you know, uh, but but there I feel like there must be. And, and I don't know if your psychiatry also blends with any kind of spirituality but there has to be maybe some some the ghosts of those mass graves that the remnants i i don't know do you, do you feel it at all absolutely you can't I think it's unless you bury your head in the sand, I don't know how you can be, you know, a black person in this community and interact with other black people in this community and not have some some just really emotional response. I mean, when we go to that, and I don't live in that area, in the Greenwood area of town, I live outside of Tulsa. And, you know, when you go to that area, I don't think there's a time I've been there that I haven't thought, you know, I'm at this Oklahoma State University, Tulsa campus, and this is in this, this, this building, this university is in the heart of what was Black Wall Street. Um, and I, I think wow. it's hard to it's just hard to not go there and think what it was and what what could have been. You're a doctor. Uh, you could have practiced any discipline. Why? Why did you choose psychiatry? Because there weren't a lot of uh, doctors, especially psychiatrists that looked like me. Um, I grew up in a you know black neighborhood in Baton Rouge and. Uh, you know, we had our, our folks who everybody in the, in the neighborhood knew had some issues, and we just, you know, let them be. And they, you know, be in the middle of the street talking to nobody and, uh, you know, cussing random people out that nobody but them could see and hear. And um, stuff happened, and I, I lost a couple friends growing up, uh, one to a couple to sexual assault by, you know, mom's boyfriends, and just saw a lot of stuff. But 
in my mind, psychiatrists were all old white men. And so I wanted to change that because psychiatrists are not all old white men. And I think it's important. I don't, I don't think that you have to be seeing a black psychiatrist or a black therapist if you're a black person. Um, But I think there's just some, there's a level of familiarity uh, and not having to feel like you always have to explain yourself when you, when you say something. Um, And I just, I think that, you know, for, for me, I just enjoy doing what I do. I enjoy seeing uh, black patients. I enjoy, I enjoy seeing just about everybody, but I really enjoy when I, when I am seeing a black patient and they, we connect on a level that I just, I know they wouldn't connect with somebody else. We were talking before you got here with Dr. Jeff, geneticist, and we were talking about vaccines and the myths around them and the fears that black people have, very real fears that we have about the nefarious ways in which we've been treated by the medical industry. And I find it interesting that there aren't many more black psychiatrists because in our community, we have a lot of trauma, but we also have this kind of like understanding that we don't, that's white people stuff. We don't go see therapists. That's what white people do. We figure it out, like you said, we let people be. We got that uncle or that cousin that we all know, and they may live over the kitchen, and we bring them food, or they'll be in the street tomorrow. And we all have them, right? But we, we, we just feel like that's white people stuff. How do we get, because we need it probably more than anyone else, therapy. How do we undo that, that, that kind of thread that weaves its way through our community about mental health? I really think the younger generations are going to be who reach back to the aunties and the uncles and the parents. Um, I think our younger generations are much more open to dealing with their mental health stuff instead of just packing it away. And, I, and I'm, I'm hopeful because I think those aunties and uncles and the parents are going to see how well those young people are doing and say, you know, what's different? Like, what's going on with you? And being able to 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 see, and so I think our younger folks are going to be an example. Um, another thing I think is just media. Like I love that um, there's that show uh, I may destroy you. I think it is on HBO that deals with mental health concepts and substance concepts, and we're talking about black people. I love that Insecure this season had you know a character who came out who said, "Hey, I have bipolar disorder. I was struggling," and then. You know, people who watch the show being able to think back to that behavior like, oh, you know, and just give people a pause and just think like, oh, so that's what bipolar can look like. Because I think we don't have good examples and we just don't know. And we just think that everybody who pops off and has mood swings has bipolar disorder, which couldn't be further from the truth. Um, And I I love that the actor who plays, I can't remember, I think his name, Andrew, he came out and said that he has bipolar in real life, you know, and then you had, you know, Tiffany with her postpartum. And so I think as much as we can weave it into everyday existence and and not make it this weird thing that stops you from functioning and makes you crazy so that, you know, that people like to throw that word around. I think if we can keep seeing examples like that in the media, and just keep talking about it and keep the conversation moving forward. That'll help. Doctor, um, I just, I, I love hearing everything that you just said, because it, it really is, it shows the role that popular culture, our culture has in making and normalizing different behaviors and in normalizing um, our need to access certain types of help. As this virus has sort of settled in and people are now, you know, three months in, <laughs> like, like, like we're at the hundred day count. 
how have you seen your conversations with your client, your clients shift? How have you seen uh, the the different ways that we are adjusting to this virus show up within the lives of the people that you work with? I think everybody's just tired. Like everybody's yeah. exhausted. Um, I think that's I'm raising my hand. <laughs> right. I mean, and honestly, it's left a lot of uncertainty for people who whether you're a therapist or you prescribe medication, you know, people are telling me what's going on with them and I'm just looking at them and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking, yep, same, same, you know, yep, same. Um, and it's hard for, it's hard for us on my end to figure out, am I even treating this person? Like does this person even need medication? Like to some degree, I would be more concerned about somebody who told me that in the past three months, they have not experienced not a shift in mood, not a moment of anxiety, if they are still sleeping great and hadn't thought once about what's going on in the world. I'm more concerned about that person than somebody who just says, I I don't know what's going on with me. And I think also a lot of people are not even able to describe what it is. They just know something's different. I, I like that you said if you're not struggling or if you're not, if you are perfectly fine, maybe something is wrong. So call us if you're one of those people to 866-801-8255. We have a doctor in the house and you're a psychiatrist. And the primary difference between psychology and psychiatry is that you're a medical doctor, which means that there's a prescription that you can give to somebody. What does the medicine look like and, and for different things? And, and, and how, how much do you prescribe, you know, CBD or, you know, the, the uh, T, THC um, derivatives are are they helpful i think so i'll go back to yes uh prescribing i do prescribe but i do not believe that everybody needs medicine so that you know first off i don't think that everybody who has anxiety or everybody who experiences mood shifts needs to be on medication Uh, and i i think we as people have gotten um very uncomfortable being uncomfortable and so I'm one of those doctors who will say, no, you, you should be anxious right now. You're going through a lot. Like, that's pretty typical. Uh, you know, let's work on how we can work through that as opposed to just throwing pills at it. Will some people need medicine? Absolutely. But does everybody? Nope. Not even everybody who thinks they do. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes people get mad at me. I, I get called some names, uh, but it's okay. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's just, it is weird. But I don't think everybody needs medicine. Therapy is a very valuable treatment for a lot of disorders. And I really believe even if you don't have a disorder, everybody should have a therapist on speed dial that they can call. Uh, if they need something, you know, even if it's a short term. As far as the CBD and THC and all go, I just I think we need a lot more information. We need a lot more research. We need a lot more information. Um, you know, I think we all know people who use and who smoke, and they seem to do okay, right? They're really chill and calm, and, and they do okay. I don't think that everybody who smokes marijuana has a problem necessarily, um, but I, well, we also know that people who have, like, pre-existing anxiety disorders or who hear voices and have psychotic disorders and, or have other mental health issues may be a lot more sensitive. And so marijuana can then kind of make some of their symptoms worse. So I think we just have to be careful. Um, of course, we know that, you know, separating out the CBD oil from the THC from the cannabis, uh, the the CBD doesn't it's not supposed to have the, the psychoactive properties that cannabis does. So I see a lot of people using CBD. I just think we need more information. I don't think we know enough. 
Um, and I, I don't know if we've, we've gotten to a point yet where we're willing as a scientific community to really put the money we need to into researching uh, THC um, to know if it's something that's going to be helpful or not. Mm. With Dr. Nicole Washington, you can follow her at Dr. Nicole Psych, P-S-Y-C-H, on the Twitters or go to DrNicolePsych.com. As you were talking about everyone needing a, a therapist on speed dial, do you tele, telemedicine? Do you do telemedicine? Doc, can you be on speed dial for people throughout the country or are you just in Oklahoma? No, I... I asking um, for I, a friend, by the way. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> I do tell us, like, uh, I'm licensed right now. Ooh, if I can remember. Georgia, Louisiana, Virginia, Wyoming, Tennessee, Texas. Just got California. Jersey? I got a couple others in the works. Bro, um, all right, put, make sure you put Jersey. You, Jersey, Larry, Jersey. <laughs> Jersey. Put Jersey on that list. Get, get licensed in Jersey, Doc. Got okay. it. Got it. My husband right. is listening and he helps me do all my business stuff. So he he'll put it on the list because you said so. He <laughs> Okay. Hey husband. <laughs> and, and, and and talk a little bit about that too, because you know, um I guess when you come home in your family, do, do your family members uh tax you for uh medical help, for psychological help? I think the benefit of being a psychiatrist is that people try so hard not to talk about their mental health stuff. I rarely have anybody coming to me for personal stuff. Now, they may call me and say, oh, I work with this person, or I know this person whose kid has this. I get those kind of questions. But I don't don't really get the personal questions, family calling me up, because they don't want to tell me (laughs) what's going on with them. (laughs) That's hilarious. All right, so... Tell me about the C-Suite Confidant, the, the, your podcast. How did it start, and what is it that you do with it? So I, I gosh, I've been out of training for a while. But um, when I was in training, I had a kid, and I have two children, actually. Both I had, one in med school, one in residency. And after I had my daughter, I had a lot of medical stuff. Like, I ended up with a pacemaker a week postpartum. And wow. I had, I had, yeah, it was, it was a very, very stressful time. And as a result of that, I remember having panic attacks, like after I had her um, and pan- just panicking about, oh my gosh, what if this pacemaker stops working? What if I, what if I, what if I'm alone with her and I'm holding her and I fall out and I, you know, and I, you know, I just, just my brain was going haywire. And at the time um, I was, I was, in, I was a resident still. And it was hard for me to, to think through, like, how in the world would I deal with this? How in the world would I, who would I go to? Tulsa a relatively small community. Like, who could I go to that I trust that doesn't know me, which is inappropriate? It was just, it was a struggle. And so a lot I ended up doing on my own, like just just therapy, therapizing myself and just, uh, <laughs> you know, figuring out how to, how to get over the panic. So I was able to do that. But ongoing, I realized that there are a lot of, you know, professional people who struggle because especially if you're a recognizable figure in your community, right? If you're a lawyer, if you're a doctor, if you're a media person, like you can't, you know, you go sit in a psychiatrist's office, somebody's going to go, oh, why is Dr. So-and-so here? Or why is so-and-so? Even though they're there, they're going to judge you for being there. So. You know, just really, that's really what made me start my practice. 
and to start to focus on professionals um, because, you know, we are out here struggling and there's the misconception, you know, that there's the whole, oh, you made it, right? Like you got that big house, you got the husband, you got those kids, you're, you're a whole doctor, girl, you don't have any problems. Um, you know, people just assume because you made it, oh, you're on TV, I see you on TV, or I hear you got this big show, you, you know, you couldn't possibly have, you know, the problems I have. And we start believing that stuff too, and start thinking, mm. "Oh, uh, is something wrong with I? I should, you know, like, like we don't have some similar issues, right? I mean, I think right now this has been the great equalizer. It doesn't matter what your education background is, how much money you make a year. I think in, in, in some way or another, you know, as black people, we kind of all are <laughs> on a on an even playing ground when it comes to certain people. Um, so I, I started the practice, and then. Uh, I got into podcasting. And so the podcast really is about anything that would affect the mental health of the busy professional woman. So that could be anything. That could be relationships. That could be work stuff. That could be I gained weight because I'm eating like a mad person during the pandemic. The COVID-19, we're calling the it. The COVID-19. COVID-19. Yes. So <laughs> that could be anything. So we talk about anything that's anything. So, so give us some tips, right? Um, you were saying you, you, uh, therapist, therapize yourself. Uh, what does that look like? Are there things that if, if you suffer from anxiety, I, I had a spate where I, I was afraid to go to sleep because I didn't know if I would wake up because I didn't know if I had COVID and I didn't want to go out there to get tested. And then I was going through, and you know, if I go out and get it and I don't have it, will I bring it back? And it just, it went on a loop for like a couple of weeks. I was like, ah, what do you do if you can't shut your brain off? Yeah, so all the sleep hygiene things that you talked about earlier. So definitely, if you know you get to bed at night and you just can't even shut it down. So all of that stuff is great. Um, personally, I used to dislike strongly meditation. There was a while when I just couldn't even get myself <laughs> to do it. I couldn't do it. Could not do it. Uh, I will say here in the last few months, it's been a daily part of my life it has been a daily part Um, and it has been the one thing I think that has stopped me from overreacting in certain Mm. situations so it doesn't stop the situation from being stressful it doesn't stop me you know from getting upset but I find that I'm just able to approach it a little clearer so I, I think meditation is is amazing and I do tell people to focus on the facts and you have to remember that just because you feel a certain way doesn't make it true hmm and so if we can focus on the facts of what we're dealing with and if we can control the things that we can control, because so much of this thing has been feeling like we have no control whatsoever. And when you put a ton of energy into something you have zero control over, it will wear you out. Facts. Fact. And I love that you, you said that because I started the show telling Lorie that I was in Zen mode. And I just released everything that I can't control uh, today and gave it up to the Lord. Uh, and and you get a, a calm because I can't control a lot of things, period. Uh, what does meditation look like to you, Dr. Nicole? You know, for me, it's quiet. I mean, it is me turning the phone off, not on vibrate because I, you know, not on, not buzzing on my desk, not, it is quiet. Um, and I think, Apps are perfect, right? Apps are great. I love meditation apps. Um, One of the things I love most is that we're seeing more apps by and for 
black people, indigenous people, people mm-hmm. of, that that are I think are more aligned with what I think of when I think of meditation. And I realized that was one of the reasons I didn't like meditation before. I think it's because mm-hmm. I never felt like they were speaking to me. And so having access to apps like that. Uh, and just doing it on my own, actually, just take it. And I started with a minute because a minute was a stretch in the beginning. A minute was tough. <laughs> I started with a minute. I'm up to 10. I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> I'm up to 10. Do you do it first thing in the morning or before you go to bed? Most times it's in the middle of the day. Huh. So for me, it's not, I, well, first, I love my sleep. And so I will sleep to the very last minute in the morning until I have to literally hop out of bed and get on this computer and do what I need to do. Um, but for me, it's middle of the day is where I find it to be the most helpful after I've already probably gotten stressed about several things throughout the day. For me to take a break and just step back and do it in the middle of the day makes all the difference in the world. Mm. What Dr. app? Oh, I'm sorry, Lurie, oh. I just I just need a yep. couple of recommendations on the app. So my favorite is Liberate. Liberate. Mm-hmm. It's called Liberate. Mm-hmm. And it is it is full of meditations by and for. Mm. No, that, that was good. I mean, it, it's culturally appropriate. Uh, when you, I just wanted to to go back to something you said about the the C suite confidant. Because I, I, I recognize a lot of what you said, even in my own self. And when you are dealing with women, uh, black women in particular, who have had to achieve certain levels of success by squishing down the feelings, by ignoring the, the, the microaggressions, ignoring the, the macroaggressions, when literally our success has sort of relied on our ability to fully lean into the strong black woman trope, and damn the rest, and then I'm going to make it by sheer grit because I'm standing on the shoulders of ancestors who were bent in the field. And I'm, you know, so we sort of create these stories for ourselves where uh, struggle without help is sort of the route you're supposed to take. How do you break that down in a confidential space where the idea is for us to, to sort of put those barriers to the side and be one with who we really are? How do you approach that with women whose literal success path has sort of been grounded in ignoring the truth about how they're feeling about things? Oh, and we're seeing it for sure now, right? Because, I mean, we're having to, (laughs) we're having to see everything that's happening in the world and then turn around and go to work and pretend like everything is okay and still be productive, right? I have to still go take care of patients and be you know, objective and not bring my own stuff in. And that's, that's hard. Um, it, it is tough. I mean, it's, it's basically tough. The one thing I start people off with is let's come to the realization that if you are, you know, in the C-suite, you're an attorney, you're a, you're a physician, you're a farmer, you're in these spaces, and the higher up you go and the more you achieve, that we are literally trying to fit a square peg in a round hole because we are trying to fit into places that were not designed for us to be successful. That's right. So I think a lot of it is that people are surprised that they're hitting a lot of this opposition when in reality, we shouldn't be surprised because these, these companies, these, these settings, they weren't made for us. Right. They were made for, they were made kind of to exclude us in many ways, (laughs) but they definitely weren't made for us. 
So some of the unspoken rules, some of the this and that, and your hair needs to look like this, and you can't talk too loud, and oh, you laugh too loud, and you all that stuff. We they they were they were not checking for us when they made all these rules that are in these environments. So I think that's why we see a lot of women decide to pursue uh, entrepreneurship because you know then they can do what they need to do and find ways to take all that great knowledge that they've attained and and put it to something that that is mm. theirs, right, mm. where they're accepted. Because the reality, I mean, we, so you can't go in with unrealistic expectations, right? I was just told, I, I was disappointed about something recently, and it will, uh, a friend of mine said, uh, you can't be disappointed, you're only disappointed because you had an expectation of that, for that person. You had an expectation mm. for that person. And that happens in relationships, you know, you expect your spouse to do X, Y, and Z, and they don't, and you're disappointed. You know, uh, and, and the expect, how do you not have expectations, especially in business or especially in relationships? Because when they said it, I was like, yeah, I expected them to do X, Y, and Z and they didn't. So yeah, yes, you shouldn't have expected that. And I'm like, how do you not have expectations? You know, a lot of times we focus on why you have the expectations in the first place. Like what, you know, what, why do you think that that person was going to do A, B, and C? I'm a firm believer that the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So hmm. if, you know, I mean, if my husband and he would never, but if my husband <laughs> forgot my birthday every year, then why am I disappointed every year? I mean, he hasn't remembered it in 20 years. Why all of a sudden am I thinking, Oh, I can't believe he, this is the year you know, that he's going to remember. <laughs> yeah. No, because you told him that you didn't like it the first time. So you can't possibly think he's going to do it again the next year. Cause you already told him Nicole that he's Dr. Nicole that he's that this bothers me. I give you a couple years, but at some point you have to say, okay, <laughs> clearly this is who this birthday's not is. his thing. Okay. Mm. Hilarious. Eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. Give us some other tips. Um, meditation. I, I like that. I like the quiet, the shutting down everything. I don't bring my phone into my bedroom after I go go you know, retire. Door open, door closed. That was a big thing. Uh, Jamel Hill started yesterday. Do people sleep with their doors open, the doors closed? Mine is closed. You're going to have to get through a barrier to get me. I don't know who's coming to get me, but you're going to have to get through it. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, are there other tips that you can give people for anxiety yes. in particular? Yes. Um, so for anxiety, I think caffeine, watching the caffeine intake and, and watching it, I mean, I think we'd be very surprised at how much we consume, you know, energy drinks and sodas and even over-the-counter, you know, allergy meds and things like that can increase the, the coffee drinks, the, you know, all those things. I think being careful and mindful of that, uh, finding ways to shut your brain down because we are on our phones all day, you're refreshing social media, you're looking at posts and who like this and who commented on this and Especially if you use social media platforms for business, that can make it even harder to shut it off. Uh, and so, finding ways to shut those things off. I am a huge fan of adult coloring books. I am because I love the just Monday, just sitting there, just trying to stay in the line with these little bitty circles. And if I can focus on that, I don't think about a whole lot of other stuff. So, I love adult coloring books. I love bubbles. I like the the slow breathing that you have to do to, you know, to do it. And it's pretty and you go outside and get some sun. So I think there's little, there's simple things that we can do 
um, you know, I tell people the best self-care you can do is learn how to say no. Mm. Yes, Lord. <laughs> you know, and it, is, it, is, it is a complete sentence. <laughs> say no. Mm. The right. adult uh, coloring books, I was not expecting that at all. I have a very good friend who she bought a book of manda- mandalas. I'm saying it wrong. Yes. Uh, but all of these intricate designs. And she was like, girl, I'm just coloring. But her daughter going crazy. I'm just coloring. <laughs> I was like, is this so? Is this appropriate? And now I can tell what a doctor said. You can just keep coloring because it's it is. To be working for you. You'd be surprised <laughs> at how it totally takes away your thoughts about mm. other things because you're so focused on just staying in the line. You just can't think about other stuff. I actually mm. have one. I have to admit. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the brothers because we're three women, uh, and when you see men. And black men in particular, because I think, you know, especially now, there's an extra burden. There's, you know, Larry talks about black women having to be tough. There's an extra burden on black men to have to hold it all together. And, you know, I don't know what that feels like. But when you see, you, do you have clients that are black men? And, and how do you, do you handle them differently? Uh, not differently, but definitely trying to get them to give themselves permission to need the help or to, to be vulnerable, right? Because we, we have just beat into, you know, and sometimes literally beat into our, you know, black men when they were kids that you don't cry and you don't, you know, what, you know, stop crying. You know, you will let the girls cry, but not the boys, right? We, you know, we let boys, you know, we, we train them to be super aggressive and to give them, so we just, like starting little bitty, three, four, two, three, four years old. We need to give those little boys permission to be sad, permission to be angry, um, and show them how to process that anger. There's nothing wrong with being angry. We all get angry. Um, nothing wrong with being sad. We all get sad. But we have to teach them that it's okay to, to express it the way. Mm. And sometimes they just need permission to do those things because they've grown up under these set of rules that say you don't get sad and you don't do this and you don't mm. do that. Let's take a couple of callers. Laurie Daniel Favors is here. Dr. Nicole Washington is with us as well. Let's head over to California and welcome in Tanya. You're on the Karen Hunter Show. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Awesome. Okay, so I had a uh, question for the doctor. I have a 13-year-old, and I don't know how much you deal with teenagers or not, Um, (laughs) but she's like, um, we're in California. We're kind of like in the central coast part of California. So not where you find a lot of black people. <laughs> and so like the body image and the, the hair thing is an issue. I think she doesn't like her natural hair basically. So how do you deal with that kind of thing? Yeah, that is tough. I mean, and I, so I have a 14 year old daughter. And we don't live in an in an area at her school. There's not a ton of girls that look like her. Uh, and that is, I mean, I think that's a parent struggle for any of us who have, you know, moved up to a certain place. And there's a fine line, and I haven't found it yet um, because I you struggle all the time with, I want to give you better than I had, but then at the same time, I feel like I'm taking something from you. And, and that, that's been a real hard thing, I think, you know, from a psychiatrist who's a parent of teenagers, a boy and a girl, that's been, that's been really hard. Um, you know, with my, I will say personally, you know, we are always 
talking about beautiful and showing examples of people who, you know, with natural hair, and it's so much easier now than it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. I used to hate my curls and used to always try to keep my hair straightened because I just didn't like my curls. And so, you know, I think it's mirroring, you know, who, who, who is she around? Uh, what opportunities can you create? So while there may not be a lot in her schools or their organizations in your area where she can, you know, get with other young black girls who she can see that it's okay and the variety and having people to talk talk to and about what's going on um, and maybe even uh, a therapist for her. Like, I, I don't think it's unreasonable for, especially if that's something she's struggling with, to get a handle on that early because it, it won't just go away once she's an adult. She'll be an adult who struggles with identity and loving herself and those kind of things. So I would even recommend starting early into therapy with just, you know, why is it that you feel this way and kind of helping her explore some of that because it'll just get worse as she gets older if we don't do something about it. That's the father. Right. Um, do, you, do you yourself wear your hair natural? I do. But even within our family, there's different textures of hair. Right. So, like, even my older daughter, she has what you would probably call good hair. Don't do it. And I was going to say, don't say good hair. Don't say it. Don't say it. It's all good. Well, and, and then mine is kind of like in between. And then she has more of the, the, the kinkier, I guess. I don't, I don't know what. Tightly curled. No. Coily, yes. tightly curled. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So do other family members make comments to her or do, I mean, do, do other family members make comments to her about her being the one with the as you, you, tighter curls than the other one who has, you know. No, I think she just sees it. Her. She just sees it and she sees that, you know, her sister's hair is different than hers and my hair is different than hers. And she, she hangs around a lot of Hispanic and, you know, non-black people because mm. she plays soccer. She plays soccer. And so, you know, they can get their hair all wet and everything, you know, and it's okay. Whereas, you know, with her, if Crypto she doesn't night. have braids or something in, it's different. Yeah, yeah that water. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that that is, I don't know any black child growing up that has not had to confront body image, you know, all of that and made to not feel accepted and wanted. And again, you know, even now with all of the images of all of the natural, beautiful, natural people running for office and holding down companies, it's still not enough. And that's why media is important. That's why we need to have books that kids can read. We'll be right back. I love Bomba socks. They make the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. They literally have rethought every detail of sock making to make them more comfortable. But that's not why I wear them every day. I wear Bombas because of their mission as a company. These socks do more than just keep your feet cozy. They help give back to the most vulnerable people in our community. Because for every pair of socks you buy, Bombas will donate to someone in need. The generosity of the people like me who purchase uh, the Bombas socks, we have allowed them to donate more than 34 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of 3,000 giving partners. That impact is more powerful than ever. To those experiencing homelessness, these socks represent the dignity of putting on clean clothes. It's a small comfort that's especially important right now. So when you give a pair, you buy a pair. 
and get 20% off your first purchase. So I'm suggesting you get more than one pair because that's what I did. I bought one pair to see if the 20% worked. Then I went back to get more and it didn't work anymore because it's the first purchase. So I wish I had purchased 10 pairs. So that's what I'm calling you to do because you're going to need socks for the rest of the year. Go to Bombas. They're bomb ass socks. Leave off the last S for savings. B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Karen for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash Karen, 20% off. We got a doctor in the house. Dr. Nicole is here. Dr. Nicole Washington, Afro State of Mind. We were talking about hair. Oh, my goodness. So just before we go to the callers, the, the need to have fun, club quarantine, playing spades virtually, all of the, you know, crazy watching all, all of the comedy on Netflix, which I'm doing. Important? Oh, absolutely. Everybody right now is, is, is just very stressed out. And I think a lot of people feel guilty from what I, you know, people talk about, you know, I'd like to do this, but you feel bad. You know, the world is, mm. is seemingly falling apart around us. And a lot of us feel like, oh, no, we got to be doing the work. You know, we can't even enjoy something that we used to enjoy. Like if you really enjoy Facebook and Instagram, now all of a sudden everybody's a Facebook activist. Everybody's an Instagram activist. You can't, <laughs> you know, you can't just log in and watch a puppy doing something cute. You have to, you know, you feel like you feel like the burden of, you know, you are the social justice officer for Facebook and Instagram and all these things. But just have fun. Like if, if that looks like watching little kids do cute things on YouTube, it's okay. It, it's fine. Mm. It's okay mm. to comment on something that's not related to the movement, right? Like, it, it's, it's okay. We still like to eat. We still <laughs> like our kids. We still enjoy a good laugh. You know, don't feel guilty about taking a break. And the reality is we're not all going to take a break at the same time. Somebody's going to be working. It's fine. It doesn't always have to be you, right? <laughs> it does not. So taking the time to laugh, have fun, please do it as often as is possible. Dr. Mm. Nicole, um, people want you to uh, make sure you're certified as, as uh Doc, uh, Mr. Washington is listening in, in Indiana. I already told you Jersey. So as you get your certifications all over the country, we, we need you in all 50 states. Let's just do that. And probably the Caribbean, too, because um, we like to travel. All right. Let's uh, go to the phones. 866-801-8255. After COVID is over, of course. Uh, right, let's head right. over to t- Terry in North Carolina. You're on with the doctor. Welcome. Terry. All right. Hold, put Terry on hold. Joanne in New York. Hi, Karen. How are you? Awesome. I just wanted to thank you for this amazing show. I'm a first-time caller, okay. and I've been listening to you. Okay. There you go. I've been listening to you for a, a few years now, and I want to thank you for the inspiration and for the motivation. I just recently got my degree in MSW in social work, even though I'm All right. I just, you know, I listening to your show and and um and also seeing my kids struggle with the same things my parents struggled with and me. I decided it was mm-hmm. time for me to get in there and get letters behind my name. So when I go do my work, I get to, these are my credentials. I think my life is my credentials. I survived so much, but the, the world wants the letters, so I got the letters now. But thank you for being there and thank you for pushing me. There were times when I was saying this is for the birds, and you would say something or a guest would say something and it would say, okay, Joanne, you have to stay in this fight. So thank you, thank you, oh, thank wow. you. To all your people You're there, and I, I, I'm going to start continue this fight for my grandchildren. So mm. please keep doing what you're doing. I really appreciate oh. it. 
Wow. All right. Listen, mm. praise reports. We love them. Congratulations. And yes, it, but make some time for yourself, too, to have fun, as the doc said. All right. Is Terry back in North Carolina? Yes, Karen. I'm, I am so sorry. I had the phone That's on okay. mute and didn't hit the button fast enough. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> all right. Welcome. How you, how you ladies doing today? Hello, great. hello. Oh, wow. We're good. good. Uh, my question is, uh, how do you deal, you know, you're depressed, you know you're depressed, and, and but you still have to push forward, and, 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 and you ladies are so right. You know, I come from a, a long line of family members who choose not to deal with their mental health, but, but me, I choose to self-analyze as much as I can. I listen to a, a lot of people and, um, you know, and what I've done all my life, I've, 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 since I was 12 years old, I always made sure that my mom and my two brothers and anybody that was connected with me was all right. Where here not too long ago, that came to a point where I needed someone to take care of me mentally and no one was in the position to take care of me. Mm. And, and that expectation you know, when you, when, you know, Karen, I, I called you uh, last week and it was my first time calling. And, um, and I tr- like I said, I've been listening to you since then. And, and, and you, you guys registered me with me when you, when you said, when you made that statement about expectations, you know, your, your mom, your brother, your wife, your, that person who called you every other week for $20, you know, just that one time when you needed. $20 from them and you knew they had it, but you know, but you went on, it wasn't all right with you, but, but because you understand that and you don't, you know, you, 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 you sink it back in the back of your head and, and press and you move forward. And then, then you hit that brick wall and, and, and especially when people used to you being on point because they call you with, with, with their problems, right. you know, and, and you able to give, uh, some advice, but now you you at that brick wall now, and you just and for a long time you just haven't been able to budge past this brick wall. Doc, what you got, Terry? First of all, let me thank you for having the courage to call and be transparent and share and uh, know that you have a safe landing space here and that we're family and that we love you and we have a doctor who will give you some advice, I hope. <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely, I would say, you know, I think you need a therapist. I think everybody needs a therapist. I think I, I will say that probably for every time somebody asks me something, my answer will be, do you have a therapist? Um, and and I, I know it's hard to find people sometimes in your area and you don't find the right person, but there are resources out there that you can go to and try to find somebody that is going to be somebody you can connect with that can can help you because I think you're right. We can't rely on other people to do that for us. As much as we try to be there for other people, some, sometimes we just can't expect them. And, and honestly, there are things that you probably want to say, need to say, that you don't need to say to people that are emotionally invested in you. It needs to be said to somebody who can help you process through it on your own and not to someone who is a loved one. So resources mm. like Ayana Therapy, A-Y-A-N-A Therapy, um, is an online mental uh, health therapy site uh, specifically for marginalized and intersectional communities. So if you are looking for 
you know, somebody who looks like you, who you can receive services from, this site may be a good place to start. Uh, Therapy for Black Girls is a fantastic site if you, you know, are looking. And I can guarantee you a lot of the ladies on that list see more than black girls. So if you're open to seeing, you know, a female therapist, that may be a good place for you to go. But sites like Ayana Therapy, Therapist for Black Girls, and just looking uh, for somebody who you can connect with to help you process through it, I think is going to be the best, the best move. Brother, Hmm. definitely do that, Terry. Definitely do that. Um, Because what does depression lead to if, if not checked, Dr. Nicole? just loss of functioning. So it's hard to, one of the symptoms of depression is low motivation, uh, decreased energy, you're not sleeping well. So sometimes people get to the point where just getting up to shower or take care of hygiene stuff is tough. So then they're calling in work or they're late for work or when they're at work, they're not able to fully give it their all. So they may make mistakes at work. They may end up with disciplinary issues on the job. Um, And then depression can lead to hopelessness and suicidal thoughts. And, uh, you know, I mean, definitely we want to catch things before they get to that point. Right. Mm. So this call was a cry for help. And so he needs to go get it. And if people are considering a contemplating, I don't even know what that is. Thank God. But to be on that path to not wanting to be here anymore. What do you suggest for that, Doc, if people are contemplating that right now? I always recommend to reach out. And and to and, and I, it's tough because I definitely understand how sometimes the system makes it really scary and really hard for Black people to want to reach out, right? And, you know, there are some places where if you, you know, if, if you end up, you know, going in for treatment, you feel like you almost did something wrong. So I, I definitely understand, you know, that hesitant feeling about, oh, I just don't know. Should I, should I call? Should I not call? Um, but I, you know, I always say call. I will, I always go back to, you know, the story of, you know, all those people that jumped from the the Golden Gate Bridge and there, there's been a handful of survivors and every account that I've read of people who survived, they all said they immediately regretted it when they jumped, right? But mm. it was too late. Wow. And so, you know, that's what, to me, when I, when I, I've, I've, I've seen the, the, the movie that the one guy survivor did. And then I've, I've read accounts of, of a couple of other survivors and they, that's what they all said. Like immediately they just, and, and I don't know, I can't think of a person I've seen after a suicide, a serious, serious, like almost life ending suicide attempt who didn't, who was mad at me because they lived. Like they've all been very, very mm. grateful that they did. And so I will just say that, you know, I know it feels like that. there's not any other option, but I don't want you to give up on you. So I always tell people, don't give up on you. Don't, don't give up on you. Well, the uh, FCC just passed a law federally, uh, not a law. Uh, they will now have a three-digit number for a suicide hotline. It was a 10-digit number. But J- July 16th, you can dial 988 if you're seeking help. Mm-hmm. 988 will be uh, the national suicide line number which was once a 10 digit number but they just passed that this week actually uh that is now going to be a 988 number and that's uh, you know uh will make it a lot easier for people to remember and to call in i need you to come back dr nicole because we have less than a minute left and all the lines are lit and people apparently uh want to talk to you will you come back absolutely 